Andy. Stay away! Darling, light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Dark Corridors, a podcast all about horror films. I'm your host, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by two friends I have here. Brian Barnett, hey, IGN what's up, Freelance everybody? Extraordinaire, and Lily oh. Zaldivar, right? That's how I say your last yes, name? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> I should have asked. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I got it? Okay, cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, it's our first episode. I'm really excited. I've wanted to do this show for a while because um, I love horror movies and i brian i don't actually know your familiarity with horror movies lily i know that you love horror movies too i love them um, oh my god do we do we want to get into this now or do we want sure are, are, you, are, you, are you finished with the like intro why? i don't want to interrupt your flow yeah uh well really quick uh, let's let's do that then um lily what like what about horror movies do you do you love like what what about them like just excites you or uh yeah. I think it's the thrill of it, honestly, because, okay, so there, I have two different sides. I love animation and I love horror, two completely different genres, but with horror, you just kind of get that adrenaline and you never know what you're going to get with specific horror films. And like the one we're going to talk about today can be mixed with suspense and psychological. And then there are other films that just have creature and there's like incredible design. So I think horror just kind of takes it to another level with like action, drama, whatever, so I think that's why I love horror so much. Cool, Brian. Do you have <laughs> do you have thoughts? Uh, I I do I do have thoughts. Uh, I'm actually not a huge horror fan. Um, so some people might be asking, well, hey. what the heck is this doing on this guy doing on this podcast? Oh, we're gonna change you. Uh, the the so I'm not somebody who goes out to theaters and watches horror movies. If something is... To be fair, I don't do that either. I watch them all at home. <laughs> yeah. If, if something is culturally important or considered like a kind of uh, touchstone, um, I, I am interested in it. Like I've, I've had a lot of movies on the AFI Top 100 on my kind of to-do list for a long time. And I, I'm pretty sure The Shining is on there. I'm not actually 100% sure. I don't the know. I haven't looked at that list there. in a long time. The Shining should uh, but, 100% but, be on there. But this is, and and just to be absolutely clear up front, um, this was my first time ever watching this movie uh, for this episode. So I uh, love that. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about that. There are so many things that this movie influenced and that I find really fascinating. Um, I, I do really... Um, it's not on you there. Know, like Lily was mentioning earlier about the psychological aspect, those are the types of um, horror films or just films in general that I find really compelling. Um, movies that make you think or wonder what's going to happen next. Uh, movies where there are real stakes. Um, and I think that getting into some more intense um, 
kind of television shows lately, like Game of Thrones, which definitely has some elements of horror um, in it. Uh, and then, you know, watching kind of one-off um, big kind of tentpole films like Get Out um, have kind of turned the corner a little bit for me where I'm like, okay, so I'm not totally against being freaked out. Um, uh, you know, and games have done the same thing for me. Like I never played any scary games before Dead Space, um, but everybody kept talking about how great Dead Space is. So I like forced myself to get through it and really appreciated it. And now I'm on Dead Space, almost done with Dead Space too. So you should try uh, nice. playing Fear. Oh, I did. I did play Fear. Fear's yeah, that good. was it. Fear's and real good. an interesting thing. An interesting thing about that is there are some scenes in Fear that I really um, kind of that came flooding back to me watching this movie. Oh, that's cool. Um, so we we'll can talk, talk about, about we can talk about that once we get into the movie. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's just kind of I am I am new to The Shining. I am new, relatively new to horror. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like somebody who's just decided that they're gonna try drinking beer. It's like I know that I like this one thing, and I'm gonna see what other stuff yeah. that I like. So I'm I'm really here for kind of the personal journey. I'm not an established fan, but I'm open to it. So uh, nice. I I hope I can add an interesting uh, dynamic to the discussion. Cool, cool. Um, I it, actually as a kid I did not like horror movies. I hated them. I I, I started to like them like when I was a teenager. Uh, I started watching ones that I came to love. And then as an adult, uh, going back and watching like the old Universal Monster movies and um, like a lot of the horror movies from the 80s with a bunch of my friends who absolutely adore them. And a lot of really bad horror movies, which I also really love. I love terrible horror movies because they're they're funny. Um, But it has it's been something that's sort of cropped up more in my adulthood so like there are a lot of really famous horror movies that i have just not seen like texas chainsaw massacre i know about it i know the ending and i know a lot of the twists and scenes but i've never actually sat down and watched the original it. not because not, i don't uh, not the original a- any of them literally any of watch them. the uh, original don't watch the remake the original is literally okay proclaimed as a lightning in a bottle because that movie should have never like existed or have been made the way that it was but it just happens and it's right. incredible oh, wow there's like a lot yeah. of history to that that's um, fascinating but like yeah so there's tons of movies like that where i just have never sat down to watch them it's not because i don't want to it's just i haven't like gotten to it yet um but i'm i'm someone who really loves like I, i've seen some modern ones and i don't dislike them but there's a lot about modern horror that i'm not as I'm not as big on like I really don't like torture porn as a genre. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's that stuff. Uh, like, is and just and maybe kind of we'll disturbing. watch one of those movies eventually, and I can talk about why I don't like it as a genre. But um, I've always really liked monsters, and I like movies that have something to say about us. Like I feel like I Brian knows this from all of the many conversations we've had in many podcasts. Like I'm a huge fan of mythology. And I feel like the other side of that coin, like mythology to me is uh, stories about who we want to be or like stri- like p- we, what we strive to be or what we used to be and want to get back to. Horror to me is like the other side of the coin of myth where it's who we actually are, like uh, underneath the surface. Like there, 
they're, they're, they're a lot of times they are stories about like you know they're the the subtext is something about the something about what's going on now or something or that was going on then you know when the movie came out but like i i feel like deep down they are stories about who we actually are like as opposed to like who we want to be and that's why i find them kind of interesting um but yeah now that we have that intro out of the way we can actually talk about the movie oh, cool. Um, cool so for our very first episode i thought well let's watch one of the best horror movies of all time uh, let's watch The Shining, which only, is a movie. Because it's only going to be downhill from there. <laughs> you no, know, there are yes. so many good horror films besides The Shining. There are. And we're going to show are. you the world. Yeah. Shining, shimmering, and bloody. Um, <laughs> Consider me your Princess Jasmine on this yeah. journey. All right. I can show you the world. Uh, so... Where do you even start with this movie? Because, like... Uh, it... Let's start with the fact that that is a really dumb name for a movie. No. Oh wrong. my god, I'm about to fight you. Before <laughs> Hey, before I I'm just going to tell you as somebody who just saw the movie for the first time today, before you understand what The Shining means, that title is dumb as hell. All right. It's really right, stupid. Brian. Whatever. But god. now that I know what it is, it's like, okay, I get it. But here's the thing, the th- well, you just kind of answered the question of like why that's even the title of well first the book and then the movie you're kind of like that's a weird title or like that's kind of stupid but then you figure it out you're like oh shit okay i get it you know and you still regardless of the name were propelled to watch it even if you kind of did it for this podcast but you know (laughs) yeah that's true the podcast is an excuse and and it's not like a name would would repel me like, cause no. I've seen things that have done names. I watch anime. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> play Japanese video games. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. do. Like, I've played a lot They're of really stuff or watched a lot of stuff that has really dumb or nonsensical titles. I it was just it was just an offhanded thing that I that I thought of as I was looking at this. Is like, what what does this name even mean? This doesn't mean anything. This is stupid. And then See, of course it's not. So this but. is this is interesting because this is like your very first time watching this movie. Yeah. Uh, personally, I've seen this movie like five times, like five or six times. Lily, do you know like around how many times you've Probably seen it? equal to, if not a little less than you. Okay. Yeah, I know there's people that are like legit just obsessed with this movie. Because it, it is sort of a Rorschach test of a film. Like everybody kind of has a different interpretation of like what's going on. Really? Or like what it was really about. Oh, yeah. It seems like pretty. It's it's straightforward I mean, the, in in like the context that you watch it in, but then it's like you kind of look at and you kind of pay attention who the director was, which is Stanley Kubrick, and you're like, there are so many things in this film, so <laughs> many things that you just kind of pay attention to. Yeah. A funny thing about that is I, I mean and chalk this up to ignorance whatever i'm gonna expose myself as a big old dummy uh but i didn't know this was a kubrick film until his name came up on the screen uh like brian during the opening credits (laughs) and i was like oh dang i i think the last movie i saw of his was 2001 which is also a fantastic movie and that might legitimately be the only other kubrick movie i've ever seen Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. so that's that was really interesting um 
You haven't seen like, Clockwork Orange or no? Anything like that? Oh, that's a great movie. Not really a horror movie, but it's really good. Hmm. Um, that's one of those then, that I've been meaning to get to. But it's like a character study drama. Wait, did, piece did he sort do Full Metal Jacket? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, I've seen that. Okay. Yeah. See, you've seen more of his movies than you thought you had. That's true. It's kind of that's like yeah. that's like it when you go out and you hear music in a public place and somebody's asking, yes. "Oh, do you like The Strokes?" And it's like yes. I've literally never heard them. And then somebody plays five songs from from them, and you're like, "Oh, oh, I know and like a lot of this music." I completely yeah, agree with you. I've had that moment so many times, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I know who they are." I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh. The other one of his movies, we'll get back on The Shining in a minute. The other one of his movies that I really love, and I know some people just hate it, uh, is Dr. Strangelove. I love that movie. That's the one with Peter um, Sellers, right? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. Guy who played the Pink Panther? In the old days. <sighs> yes. It's like Dr. Strangelove yep. or How I yep. Learned to Love the Bomb or something. Yep. Yeah. I've been meaning uh, to watch to that as well. Stop worrying and love the bomb. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a weird movie, but I I love it. Uh, I saw Peter Sellers was in it, and I immediately knew it was going to be a really weird movie, just because he's not in anything normal. <laughs> okay, I, um, I love him. I think Peter Sellers is hilarious. But yeah, yeah. but uh, getting back to The Shining, obviously, yeah. well, maybe not obviously, but it, based on the novel by Stephen King. Stephen King, which I totally didn't know either. Yeah, Stephen King. <laughs> hates this movie really uh, with a passion does it deviate significantly from the oh yes very significantly wow um, it, it from what i understand it keeps a lot of the core scenes okay. intact like the but it changes a lot of like the dialogue and stuff because they rewrote a lot of it during production and also um just like they just changed it so much that it just does not like uh he doesn't feel like it's representative it from his work. No, he he felt like uh, I think there's a quote he said once where it was like, I uh, he was talking about Kubrick and he said I think he set out to make a movie that hurts people, or something. Oh, interesting. Which is kind of a harsh, uh, a harsh thing to say. Um, but I know that it deviates very sign like in significant ways and in just minor ways like, like the color of the car is different. And stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of just little things like that, but there's bigger uh, things as well. But I've never read the book, so I, 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 I don't would, personally know. With respect to his uh, comment about making a movie to hurt people, it does. The Shining does definitely feel like antagonistic, even towards the viewer. Well, like it does. It does kind of, the the. I mean, even if we're just talking about from a physical standpoint, like there's a lot of really loud, piercing um, music in this movie, uh, and it does it does just kind of. Uh, there are a lot of like scenes that feel specifically designed, and this is kind of a horror thing, I presume, in a lot of movies. But a lot of these things are like designed to be deeply unsettling. Yeah, I mean that's the point like, of horror films. I mean that's the point yeah. of Kubrick films is that. You're supposed to be unsettled. Clockwork Orange is not supposed to be friendly. Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's not a fun movie. The, not the end of 2001 <laughs> and even like the middle of 2001 are really like weird and kind of messed up. Yeah, I mean, um, well, that's the thing about The Shining. And to, with all due respect to Stephen King, a lot of the movies he's happy about are normally absolutely shit involving his adaptations. <laughs> the first Pet Cemetery, garbage. It the TV 
series. It was great for Tim Curry. Everything else about it, nothing to do with the book. And he loved it. So it's very interesting because, you know, The Shining is, you know, deeply unsettling. And I think that's why a lot of people like it. And I think that's why he didn't like it. Because, you know, he really wrote this book and it's kind of unsettling. But when he watched it on screen, he was like, "Mm, mm, I didn't mean it to be that bad. Yeah. It's like, it's just a scary hotel. Um, yeah. So I, I had like, it's weird. Cause this movie, I feel like the more I see it, the more tiny, like some piece of dialogue sticks out to me that I didn't ever notice or, um, just the, it seems like the plot, like the story sort of becomes a little more like, I, I kind of feel like I have more of a grasp on it. Like the first time I saw it, I remember thinking, like, I kind of liked this, but I was like, what? Like, it didn't, I didn't really get what was happening, like, the whole time. Mm. And then it's like the, every time I've watched it now, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on at least what I think is going on, um, just based on the dialogue and stuff. I've heard, I, I, uh, just after watching this, I rewatched the documentary. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Lily, uh, Room 237. Yeah, I've seen it. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, the first time I the watched it, I remember just yes, the documentary is terrible. Uh, I recommend watching it because some of the theories in it are just batshit crazy. But um, like the uh, like here you go, Brian. Here's one. Um, one of the guys they interview thinks that the moon landing video was fake. So there's step one, right? Okay. But not okay. only that, he thinks that strong Stanley start. Ke- Stanley Kubrick was the one who directed it, and then on top of that, he had I've heard clues. That he hid clues in The Shining oh my to tell God. people that. Yeah, what? Like okay, one of that, the you lost one me of at the, the clues end. is that like oh, in the scene where like the ball rolls and the door to two thirty seven is open, they're like oh, he's wearing the Apollo eleven sweater, and also the Earth and Moon happen to be like two hundred and thirty seven like million miles away or something like that. Like it, it's it's like. That doesn't prove anything, right? It's it's super nuts. Um, Weird. They're all like that. Like the the very first one they bring up is like the oh, it's about the slaughter of the Native Americans, and it's like, no, I mean, there's a lot. There's be... Native American stuff going on in there, but I don't think that's what it's. I don't think that's the subtext of the whole movie. I think there's like many subtexts, kind of interlaced into it. I I'm gonna be real with you. I thought. That that Indian burial ground stuff. And I don't. I don't want to jump ahead. Are we? Are we gonna do like kind of a walkthrough of the movie, or are we just gonna kind of like? I mean, talk, just talk about freeform stuff. kind of. Okay. Uh, so like they they talk about that very like the guy. So Jack comes up for the interview, talks to the hotel guy, who tells him, "Oh yeah, you know it was built on a ancient Indian burial ground," and I was like is that where this comes from? Like this trope, this giant trope that's like in everything. Is this where that came from? Or is, or did, was it's this in just a lot a, of movies? It is in, was it's this in just a lot a, of movies in the 1980s really, which is interesting if you think about it. And I thought that was going to come back in a much, much bigger way. And they basically oh. never mention it or allude Almost. to it. Unless you, unless you think that like the voices that are talking when like, Wendy and everybody are like running around the hotel towards the end of the film. Unless you, I, I couldn't make out anything, but unless those are like 
like native chants or something like I don't think there's any trace of any of that stuff other than there's just kind of a general creepiness in this movie but that also gets attributed to the bad stuff that happened there not that it's on an Indian burial ground so it totally seems like a red herring well it's almost it's more of the fact that they don't want like the Indian burial ground to be this idea of like suddenly Indians are going to show up and like, they're going to attack the family or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, (laughs) that's not necessarily what I had in mind, but yeah, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like it's more of the idea of like, because um, there's this, uh, you know, like that whole idea of don't tamper with dead bodies because the spirits will get Mm. upset. Um, So the whole idea is that it's not the Indians or like they're, Uh, spirits that are going to come attack you it's more the fact that you've tampered with that ground so now the hotel is pretty much alive and they inhabit the hotel and anyone who is there alone and like for a long time you're gonna go crazy and that's kind of like the idea of what it is and I totally get where you're coming from because when I think about it it's like yeah actually you know what (laughs) they don't really talk about it anymore but I think it's just kind of that idea of um, now that you've tampered with this burial ground, the wet is inhabiting that, which is the hotel, is going to absolutely ruin you. Right. Interesting. I definitely so, didn't get that at all from the so, movie. Like it's it, it. What I got was, especially from the 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 conversation, because like they they pretty quickly go through. Oh, they're having this interview. And by the way, I Jack was like giving off weird vibes in the entire movie. Like, I didn't really like the way he talked to his kid or his wife, like, basically ever. Oh, totally. And I then, mean. And then when they, and then when he explodes later, I was like, whoa, okay, all right. Like, Wonder. when she interrupts him <laughs> when he's typing, and then he's like, why don't you get the hell out of this room? Well, yeah. yeah. Except less politely. Well, uh, <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. It's that, um, you know, he the uh, manager even says after a certain time, you know, people who live here kind of go a little crazy. And by that point, he's already gone nuts. And he's just, like, so focused on he's not able to sleep. He's already, like, gone off the deep end without us really realizing it. You know? So, but maybe he wasn't a dick before the movie started, but we don't well, get to see that. I mean, they talk about his... Alcoholism. Like, alcoholism and how yeah. he... Yeah, he abused... Uh, Danny, Danny, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they they say that it was an accident, but the way that they say it leads me to believe it wasn't an accident. Oh no, I yeah. mean, and especially, especially when when um when uh, Jack is having the conversation with Lloyd in the fake ghost bar later. My favorite scene in the whole movie. Like that is scenes. so brutal. Like, and he's just he's making all these faces, and it's this classic behavior of like and. <laughs> And my stupid wife won't let me get away with it. It was three years ago, you know that sort of a thing. And it's just like, I I apply a little bit of extra for, and it's just like that way that he's minimizing the thing that he has done, and he's just trying to gloss over it. Is like, mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know. I definitely didn't get that. To me, it kind of seemed like an absolute power corrupts absolutely type of thing, which which I don't actually think is true. I think that power reveals who you are inside, and I think that this hotel and the solitude and isolation reveals who you are inside because they talk about other uh, caretakers that were totally fine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
Like there was the one, there was the one guy, Grady, yeah, who like makes a big comeback as a freaking force ghost or whatever in this movie. Um, in like the maybe, man, I don't know. The scene at the bar is really really great. So I might be on board with you as that being like one of the best scenes in the movie. I also really like the bathroom scene with Grady, where there's like this slow turn about like. At first, he's just an innocent butler, and he doesn't know anything about what you're talking about. And then by the end of it, you're like, this guy is like the devil. Like, what is happening? Like, this Grady guy is explicitly telling him that he needs to go kill his family. You've always been the caretaker. Yeah, it's like, oh, man. So I think going back to... This is something I realized while watching it for this fifth time, um, was that this movie... Uh, deals with the cycle of violence in a really interesting way, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of what the cycle of violence is. No, explain but it. It's it's this. Um, it's basically a uh, a cycle of like abuse. It's what like um, abusers do uh, to like. Cont- it's what they do, and it's how the how it continues. Like how abuse like starts and almost never stops. Um, and it's interesting in that it, they talk about a lot of the Native American, like, atrocities and stuff, and there's this whole cycle of violence around where the hotel was, and then on top of the hotel, there's, inside the hotel, it's like it continues, um, and the abusing, I think, of Danny is not necessarily, like, a coincidence, uh, because... Uh, the cycle of violence goes like this. There's the standover phase, control and fear. Then there's the explosion, which is usually when the, the abuse actually happens. Then there's the remorse phase, which includes justification slash minimization and guilt. So, like, we sort of, we don't we know that that happened, right? That Jack got drunk, hurt Danny, uh, and then felt bad, right? Uh, and then then he went into the pursuit phase. The Did pursuit he feel bad? promises. Yeah, he taught, he, like, well, that's what they say he talked about. And then he talks about how he, I would never hurt a, you know, a head on his goddamn head or whatever he says. Yeah, um, but I. Then I, when we, but when we actually see him, he's in the pursuit phase, the pursuit and promises phase. So he put, he stopped drinking altogether. Like, that was the, that was the, the promise, right? That he yeah. was like, I'm not going to drink anymore because apparently, like, it makes me this terrible person. And then they're in the honeymoon phase, which is what we see him in when the movie starts, where he's like, oh, I'm fine, I don't drink anymore, I don't yeah. beat my kid, you know, that whole thing. Then there's the build-up phase and the increase in tension, which is the whole movie, and then the cycle continues again. And it, it continues again with him trying to, you know, murder his wife and kid. And so, like, I... I A little I, bit I, more extreme I, than pulling somebody up quickly. I mean, sure, but, like, that... that like I found that really interesting and it was something I hadn't thought about until watching it for this fifth time was that they're dealing oh, with like a lot of the a lot of the there's a there's a familial abuse cycle playing out in this haunted house basically it's really interesting because when you mentioned that you know what other movie I think of which I don't think you've seen <laughs> is hereditary um I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Hmm. So no, me neither. I'm not going to talk about like anything involving like a spoiler, but with that film, uh, that film talks about grief and the way that families deal with grief. So 
I find it really interesting because, you know, I think the reason why this movie was so unsettling to a lot of people is because, you know, the percentage of people getting abused nowadays is a lot. You know, there's a lot of people who don't really, re uh, you know, they kind of either hide that or, you know, they just kind of don't acknowledge it. And then this movie really just kind of hones it in, but they can mask it as a horror film. So I think that's why maybe a lot of people mm. thought it was deeply unsettling is because you kind of watch this whole cycle of abuse and anger and, you know, that's kind of surprising and shocking and really interesting as to why some horror films yeah. kind of excel in that area. I think the best, One... in my opinion, the best horror movies sort of like underneath have something to say, like about about something or even if it was the human the past, like they or, were yeah. like they were. Yeah, they were saying something like at the time they were made like Frankenstein. I don't actually I don't agree with the core message of frankenstein which is like you know don't play god necessarily you know like i i, I sort of agree that, like That's, science can go too far but like the message a lot i got of from it, that is like accept people who are different from you because... this is the thing it's like <laughs> a, lot, a lot of that movie is about or the book too is about sort of like science going too far in a way but also it's sort of about the hubris of trying to play god right it's like you will be smacked back down to your to your post in a sense like if you if you try to go uh, you know, go higher in a way. Wow, um, I got something totally different from Frankenstein than you did. Because to me, that movie's about like not getting lured in by mob mentality and actually accepting people who look different from you. Because that's the whole that, thing. That is like is the not at all Frankenstein's, <laughs> Frankenstein's monster isn't a bad person. He's not, but he's also but he's treated not like a monster the, because he looks he's different. Not what, but he's also not what it's actually about. It's That's, about the character Frankenstein. Yeah, that yeah. the whole thing's named after. Um, One of the things that I wanted to say about you talking about the cycle of violence is that that kind of like, and I don't know if I would say that this necessarily quote unquote unlocked something for me, but it just kind of gave me an idea of what if, what if um, this cycle of violence, this cycle of justification and minimalization and abuse between um, uh, Jack and Danny or even between Jack and uh, Wendy, because like I definitely did get like when she goes out with the baseball bat, I definitely got vibes of like she's scared, but it didn't seem to me to be she's scared because she doesn't know what's going to happen. That's my I favorite think scene. she's scared because she pretty much knows what's going to happen. Um, which leads me to believe that like maybe they've been in this sort of not this extreme of a situation before, but like she knows that like when he gets a particular way or he gets elevated or something, she's not necessarily safe. Um, but I, I kind of uh, like the idea of like there's been this cycle of things happening before and this movie spans the cycle where things where he just it's been like this thing but it's been kind of controlled and so you can socially justify it and then this movie spans the period of his last spiraling out of control where it just goes wild off the deep end well when you so like when you think about it and you know this totally came up right now because you know how sometimes when you hang out with somebody and you're like I can hang out with them for weeks on end and it's never a problem because we're BFFs or whatever and then, like, four days go by, a week goes by, and you're like, holy shit, I want to kill them. Because <laughs> you just find something very annoying about them. So think about With it. With an axe. Because, like, 
Jack is spending all this time with a wife that he probably abused in the past and a son that, or a wife that's upset because he, you know, quote unquote, accidentally hurt Danny. So, you know, there's all this issue and then they're spending weeks, like three months, if not longer together in this hotel. So it's interesting. I'm really curious about the, time frame. I don't I don't want to interrupt, but I do want to want to come back to this because I didn't keep super crazy notes about like how long they had been there, but it seemed like it was like a week no, or something. No, what by, impression did you guys get out of that? Did they say a couple it? Months. Yeah, it's a couple did months. Did I miss something somewhere? Yeah, in um so after he there's a scene where um Wendy and Danny are playing in the snow and then they go into the hotel and you see Jack just kind of like staring at them, but like kind of uh, his eyes are glossed over or whatever after that there's like a black um black quick black thing that says like how many weeks or how many months they've been there um oh interesting okay so i must have caught all of them except for that one because the ones that i saw are there's uh the one at the very beginning um where it says the interview and then the next one i saw said closing day and then the next one after that said tuesday so I was like, wow, they've been here for like a couple of days. Like, <laughs> so I definitely didn't get that they'd been there for a long time. I, I must have just missed impre- it. I think the impressions that they've been there for at least a while. They've been there for a month. Okay. So, you know, a month can make yeah, you go I, I must have. <laughs> yeah, I must have like glanced away or, or was like writing down some notes or something um, when that flashed up because I definitely missed that. So I got the impression that they were like not there for very long at all. Yeah, I do. Well, I think, which is totally different. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, we talked about the scene with Wendy and the baseball bat. And that's actually my favorite scene because of the line he says where he's like, Wendy, darling, light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) Wendy, get the fuck out, run. So that scene stuck out to me so much because one of my favorite bands in the world is a band called He Is Legend. And in one of their songs, they have those lines. Oh, that's so like, cool. Like that. Exa- hold on. Let me, let me actually. Uh, he is a legend. Wendy Darling, light of my life. I'm going to. Okay. What song is this? Uh, it's anyway. called. It's called. He is. Uh, he is legend. The carpet. So it, if you look up the, the lyrics for that, like it's a really, it's like a, it's a dark thing and i i was like wow like these lines in this song are like so messed up and i had no idea where it came from um and now that i know where it came from here i'll, I'll paste these in the uh or i'll paste the link um here in the chat thank you um but yeah it's 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 at the end but um it's at the end of the song, but like, it's such an interesting and like really impactful, um, kind of set of lines. And it's all the while she's walking backwards up the stairs and waving the bat at him. And he is like smiling and waving his hands and like, just so walking up the stairs after her. There's an interesting note. Cause like, I think people make a lot of weird contorted faces in this movie. Yes. And do a lot of weird pronunciations of things. And apparently the reason that was was because uh, 
I don't know if Kubrick did this on other movies, but on this movie, they were doing just an enormous amount of takes and rewrites. Like, there's all these stories about things they kind of did to just drive the actors crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Wendy did, like, I think a hundred plus scenes of one of something when she was screaming or something. Yeah. Um, and that, so if a, Christian Bale is a method actor, then Stanley Kubrick is a method director. <laughs> oh, wait till we do the exorcist episode. There's stories oh, uh, man. about the director, but, um, so like the, apparently at the end of like doing just 30 takes of the same, stare scene you know it was like they would get like the actors would get so bored and get so frustrated that they would get these like weird express that's why like when jack nicholson's like wonder like that really <laughs> low one when he's walking yeah. up the stairs like those are like that's them getting like of annoyed like i don't know what you want from me so they start getting like just insane a little bit in the scenes and then they end up using those um so that's why like and then there's the when he's outside the door and he's like not by the hair of my chinny chin chin and he makes that face like that's because that's like 30 takes deep like he's done that like so many times that he's just like bored and he wants to do something else so he's just like it's like i'm gonna do anything then like i'm just gonna go crazy that must explain why like literally every line that uh jack nicholson delivers is like just a little off yeah like basically everything he says in the entire movie is just something not right about this guy. Like, yeah. And when you think about it, it's like, Oh, it's cause he was absolutely gone insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, okay. I, man, it is, it, it's, it's very weird. It's very weird because the normal way, that, and I, I guess this isn't really a spoiler cast because if freaking everybody's seen this movie. Say whatever you want. But like, I, the, is he crazy? Or yeah. is he, de- I mean, he, he's, de- okay, sorry. He's definitely crazy. Is he dead? No, like, I don't think so. Like, has he been dead? Like, what, I, so I'm the type of person that takes the camera as about as close to truth as we can get. So at the end of the movie, after he's dead and it pans in, in that room to that roaring twenties party uh, photograph and he's in the front row. I'm like, okay, has he been dead this whole time? And this is like hell or like, this is what I mean by, like, this movie's kind of a Rorschach test because it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But, like, I have come up with what I think, just to me, what I think the movie is about. And so, like, there is that Indian burial ground kind of thing happening. Like, or we, at least we know that, like, stuff happened on the land. Like, violent things happened on the land Yeah, previous to the hotel being built. Um and then they even talk about when the when the manager's taking them around and he's like, oh, like they had to repel like a bunch of Indian attacks or whatever, like while they were building the hotel and stuff. So it's like still more violence is happening. Um, and then like there's the whole thing about like, well, we had another caretaker, but he went nuts and murdered his family. And, the, and like so there's all these things happening. And then when Danny and I can never remember the guy's name, the cook. Are having His the conversation name is over the ice Dick cream. Halloran. 
that's the guy. So when him and Dick are having the conversation over the ice cream and, and he's explaining like what The Shining is, Which, and he says, mm. uh, one of my favorite scenes. Some, some places are like people, some shine and some don't. So the the implication is that because of the vile, like he's like th- sometimes things happen in a place and it affects that place. So like I, I love his description of that, which is like it's like when somebody burns toast, and he doesn't explicitly say it, but it's like when somebody burns toast, even after you throw the toast away, it still smells weird in that room. There are lingering exactly. fragments of what happened. Yeah. So, so the my so my idea was that. Because of all the violence and the things that happen on the hotel at the hotel, the hotel has sort of become, or at least the area of the hotel has sort of become this like sentient sort of place, you know, that has like a, a that it, it like imposes things upon its surrounding, and that and and when and in and with that goes the idea that like when people go up there to caretake it from like. November till May or whatever it yeah, was. It was like, really it's a really long time. Like the idea is that no one is there at the hotel. And so to me, it's like the hotel itself sort of is going insane. Right. And so oh, that's interesting. Th- what I get from the final picture, at least from what my interpretation of it is, is that when people are gone from the hotel, like the hotel or the area around it is itself sort of going through the same thing that like Jack is going through where like there's the loneliness and just the I'm with the same damn people all the time and I'm going crazy and I'm going to inflict violence on them the hotel is itself inflicting violence on the family too but in it I think it's it also is summoning like all of these people that it's like collected basically like it's collecting souls so it's so, so it's in, added Jack it, to its so, collection now. Yeah. So like in its in its oh, attempt to not be lonely during these months, like it inhabits the gold room with all the people that it has collected, and like the people there are sort of aware. Like Grady is sort of aware, right, that he is in a thing, but not really. Like he like, like when he says like you've always been the caretaker, it's like he he knows that he knows what he did, and he almost like knows that like he went insane and killed he knows that he killed his family but it's almost like he didn't know that he was the caretaker or something like he's been collected into the into the place sort of and i think at by the end of the movie like that's at least from what i get the implication is that jack has been collected into the like well of souls sort of recontextualizes so much of what I'm thinking about, and I need to think about that for a while. I could be 100% wrong. Okay. That's, okay, that's okay, just okay. my interpretation. I'm going to break it, it down for you. So Stanley Kubrick Go did nuts, say... Go nuts, I want to hear it. So Stanley Kubrick <laughs> did say in an interview about the whole, the ending and the concept and what's going on overall with Overlook Hotel, and he said the ballroom for... The, so there's an answer. Yes, he... There's well, he, it's answer. kind of vague. Okay. It's a little vague. He says the ballroom photograph at the very end suggests the reincarnation of jack so it kind okay. of means like basically okay, what you said it. josh which is you know if you die at the overlook hotel you basically become a part of it you're like a victim of the hotel pretty much that makes sense because of the and that that kind of contextualizes the whole and i thought that it was maybe like he was possessed by the same violent spirit that possessed grady um, but like he, there is definitely a moment. Uh, let me see where it is. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Because I took like ridiculously extensive notes. Um, I took see. a couple notes, but I didn't. 
kid has a finger friend. My cats have um, officially decided to start crying now. Oh, no. They no. started slamming the door. It's freaking great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, wait. So here it is. Okay, wait, wait. So um, before, so on closing day, on closing day, uh, after, um, after the scene with uh, Dick and, so I, I had this thing. Okay. So I, I'm just going to read through a couple of comments right here just because they were my like live tweeting basically, except I wasn't tweeting. I was like, this guy knows the kid's name. What? Dang, that's enough food to last forever. Whoa, this chef is a psychic. Whoa, the kid is a psychic. <laughs> this conversation is wild. Well, you know that you know that Danny's psychic from when he's in the bathroom. Yeah, from he when he does that, vi- which which was super cool. Of the elevator. Yeah. But that's just like that was just. I wasn't like fully into that yet. Yeah, you weren't. Fully I was like, invested. I don't know what this is. I don't know that this I like at that point I'm like okay there's a spirit there's a presence that's hanging out with him that's telling him these things. I didn't understand that that was like him as a kid contextualizing the stuff that he himself can do. Uh or like whatever. Hmm. Which is what I got out of it after uh the after Halloran explained like the shining um, or whatever. But then it goes on and then they mention room uh 237 chef tells him to stay away. Um, and then there, uh, was the scene where Jack talks to Wendy and says he feels like he's been there before, that he knew what was around every corner. And that's before, uh, uh, Wendy and the, and, um, Danny go out to the hedge maze, um, and Jack finds the maze model, which I thought was like, so interesting to have that comment immediately, um, preceded by, them looking at a maze. He's like, I know what's around every corner. And then at the end of the movie, you find out he definitely doesn't. Because uh, <laughs> he doesn't because, know how to get Because he freaking dies because of it. Um, yeah. But that that moment of him being like, I, I feel like I know what's around every corner. I was like, okay, so there is a kinship of him and this place. So I, I, I don't know. I guess I just took that as kind of... Um, I don't know, maybe like a creative liberty of like, he's at home here. Like there is something about him. There is a darkness in him that is resonating with this place. Um, or that, that perhaps he was possessed by like that, uh, you know, uh, some spirit of violence or something like that, that had, that had caused, uh, Grady to kind of visit that sort of heinous act upon his family. Um, but honestly, for the most part in this movie, I really didn't think about it like anything other than this dude is nuts and the solitude is exposing how nuts he is. Like, I really didn't think that the hotel was doing anything to them. Uh, I ba- Basically, what, what I kind of thought was is this dude is going nuts and this kid is a psychic, so he can pick up on terrible things that have happened here in the past and he knows that terrible things are going to be happening here in the short future. And so I kind of thought about the parallel experiences as just being that and not really reading into like this environment is this environment other than the fact of just like solitude, like solitary confinement is in some cultures considered cruel and unusual punishment because being just the very nature of being alone is unnatural for humans. And 
So I just kind of thought it was it was rubbing a nerve that was already raw and kind of exposing the kind of crazed monster that Jack always was. Not necessarily that it, the place was turning into something he wasn't. Well, it's a really a mix of the two if you think about it. I mean, that's what makes horror movies so special is that really a lot of the times the thing that is horrifying, like I said earlier, is just a raw human emotion that we all deal with, which is anger, frustration, mm. loneliness, isolation, um, and just kind of using the idea of the hotel and the magic behind it as sort of a um, jumping point, you know? So it's really a mix of the two, uh, but I, I do get what you're saying. I totally get it. It is really interesting, and I'm definitely like I'm I'm like almost like jittery and giddy because I'm like really enjoying talking about all this stuff. And dang it, welcome like, to horror uh, films. I'm so yeah. glad you've the, been uh, just introduced to horror. Yeah, I did have a. Uh, I don't know what this. I don't know if it even means anything. But I, I you were talking about the maze earlier. Yeah, and uh, every time I see the maze. Uh, I think of like a brain and I don't know why and it just must be like the pattern and I don't actually know if that means anything or like if that the was folds like, or something like that if, or like what yeah like if I was supposed to pick up on something like that or that it was just supposed to feel like isolating maybe which was maybe what it was supposed to feel like but I every time I see it I always think of a brain I'm not sure why I think it's just maybe the that is that is interesting pattern. that's that's a Rorschach test for for sure. Yeah. What does this maze symbolize? I've heard a couple different theories, but I don't. So an, another thing that I just, I'm, I'm just glancing down at my notes. And I think that this kind of, um, not that I'm necessarily condemning this or saying that this isn't just true, but the, the, the scene where they were driving up to the place and they started talking about the Donner party, uh, and oh, the kids yeah. like the kids like I know what cannibalism is like that sort of a thing, and then he's so he's talking cannibalism with the kid and he's like he's like it's okay I saw it on TV and he's like oh it's okay he saw it on the TV, but then they start talking about it and he's like does that mean that they he um, Jack says to Danny like then it's a group of people back in the settler times and they got snowed in and they had to resort to cannibalism to survive and he says so does that mean that they ate each other up. And Jack says, they had to. And that line, just those three words, they had to, is like kind of darkly... It's foreboding. It is. Because it's like, well, no, they didn't have to. But I mean, in, in one sense, like the, the whole existential threat is like, okay, yeah, I had to or die is the implication. I think it's but like, the idea of... They're about to, let's say, for example, none of us have ever seen the movie, right? So they talk about Donner Dinner Party and the fact that they got stuck in snow, which is what they're about to face, and they ended up resorting oh, yeah. to eating them. So you're kind of thinking, let's say, for example, we haven't read the book either. So you're like, oh, shoot, yeah. they're going to eat each other eventually. So it's kind of, maybe it's mm. like, um, um, what is the word? Red like, herring? Yeah, a red herring. That is interesting. That is interesting. And but before that scene, did we know that it typically got snowed in? 
Did we know that they were? We knew that they were isolated. They, they were up there alone, so they were going to be isolated. Did we know that there were like blizzards and well, they, they would get shut they in? They talk about the fact that, um, like they were like this snowmobile is the only way in or out. This, okay. this tiny road. They're like, oh, but what if like we want to go into town? Like, can we go into town? And and he was like, probably not, because the whole road gets snowed in, you know. And yeah. like it's really hard for people to get up here, which is why like they. And they emphasize that later when um, Dick gets the snowmobile and he's going and you see the truck that has tipped over and crushed the car. Yeah. They're like re-emphasizing that the snow is super dangerous. So like the idea that, so they, that's how they kind of tackle the haunted, like why don't they just leave the haunted house kind of thing? It's like, well, they can't, they're, they're snowed in. They can't walk out because the, they'll they'll die in the it's snow freaking it's of too exposure. cold yeah, yeah. It's, it, and, which i mean which they, becomes super important later yeah and it's like they could try to get out in the snowmobile but it's going to be really tough and very dangerous and, and it's going to so, be super tough yeah. if somebody wrecks the snowmobile <laughs> exactly yeah who would do such a thing oh who my would god do such a that thing? like but thank god dick showed up with a new snowmobile and they oh got my out god oh my god <laughs> when he <sighs> <laughs> that is such a dis- so okay so let's see, let's see let me just run through some if you if you don't mind uh i, I just want to kind of run through my notes and like see some of the stuff that stuck out to me because like i'm getting caught very caught up in this discussion and i love it um okay so the first vision of the girls was on t- that tuesday um oh there was a scene where he was riding his big wheel around the around the halls that i loved because it, he was going from like the really thick carpet to the wood floor, and it was like really making interesting sounds as he was riding around. And then he's riding around the halls, and then he's going straight to the end of the hall where there's a staircase. And I was really disappointed that he didn't take his big wheel down the stairs. <laughs> and then he takes a right turn and he sees the girls for the first time, um, which, like, of course, have been echoed in so many pieces of fiction that have been crafted, like. So, like I've seen the the two the little girls the the ten year old and the eight year old in like Family Guy and The Simpsons and you know other things like that. It's like there's so much iconic imagery mm-hmm. uh, in here. Also the the what we were talking about earlier about um, about fear um, before I think that was before we started recording. Uh, Lily, you and I were talking about fear the the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the scene where the where the elevator opens and the blood starts like pouring down the hallways. There's a scene very early on in the first fear game where you crawl down from someplace or you come down an elevator or something and the door opens and you're in a hall and you're walking down the hall and then the light shuts off and then it turns back on and you're like your, your character in the game is like up to their knees in blood and it's like running down the walls and stuff. And there's a little girl, Uh, Alma, which is the, the antagonist of fear standing at the end of the hallway in this like, to her waist deep blood in this room. And I definitely got vibes of that, like that same sort of a thing. Uh, so I imagine fear was probably influenced by the shining um, probably. because th- that sort of iconography, a little girl creepily standing down a hallway, a l- ridiculous, absurd amount of blood in a place where it's definitely not supposed to be and isn't really, but you see it. Um, it's arguably, I mean, the elevator, is probably the second most iconic shot in the entire movie, and it took them months. Apart, to apart get it. from a, 
Jack Nicholson's from, face in the door. Yes, uh, uh, apart from the axe scene. Yeah. Um, that scene took months for them to get right, apparently, because the they had to, like, load up the elevator and get, like, all the blood in there ready, and then they had to open it and let all of the stuff happen, right? Um, and then, uh, can you imagine the cleanup? I cannot. That would amount of so bad. Like, that's why it took so long. And That's and it, literally all I could think of in that entire thing is, like, yeah. well, I bet they shot this shot last. <laughs> like, so, so uh, they I didn't have to clean up that freaking hallway. I think they shot it a bunch throughout production, like, trying to get it right. Because Kubrick, every time he saw it, would be like, that doesn't look like blood to me. Or something. And so they I would, mean, like, it still does it vis- in the movie. They would like, change. It looks close enough, right? But, like, they, they were changing like the viscosity the and the color, through. you know? <laughs> And so they were just shooting it over and over again. They would have to clean it all up, reload. So it would take them weeks to reset the Jesus, shot. Jesus, oh basically. god! But yeah, because uh, because those are all like freaking tweed chairs and stuff. Like, can you imagine? And they're using gallons of blood. So because like, it's so much blood that it overtakes the whole camera, right? So like, there's a lot. Oh, of and blood. the camera gets blood too. Oh my god, I can't. Yeah. Oh, that's a. That's a production company's worst nightmare. Production team, a PA's nightmare. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine like, if you're on clean if you're all the on blood this, out of this red camera? I I imagine that's like a second unit job, but like. Can you imagine when you find out that that is going to be one of your responsibilities and you're working for Kubrick, who is like super exacting and wants tons of takes like, oh, great. This is just going to be my life from now on. Now I'm good. All of the people who are doing that scene are like having their own miniature shining where they like live in this weird cycle for just an extended period of time until they go crazy and start killing their castmates. Like. We missed a lot of that because you cut you out, but I'm so sure it was profound was awesome. and great. <laughs> oh, no. I think I got what you were saying of like them doing it constantly and having to clean up would eventually make them go insane. And basically they would experience the shining themselves. Yeah, basically. And then and then and then I was also saying that, like, can you imagine um, like because that's that's like a second a unit t- sort of thing to do. Can you imagine getting that assignment and then also knowing that Kubrick does all these extra takes. And so you're probably going to have to do this a freaking thousand times. I would say here's my two weeks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lily, do you know about the um, the the quote-unquote body in the elevator? Have you heard no, about that? what is this about? So there's this... I don't know why people are so obsessed with it. It's not like it changes anything, but like... And I, when I look, I, I'm like, that is either a thing coming out of the elevator or it's just the flow of water looks like there's something there, right? Uh, but there's like people that are convinced that if you look hard enough, like in the if blood really that's squint. coming out, it looks like something like kind of like drops at the bottom and it looks like the blood is running over what something like a body what and so there's people that think like oh there's a dead body like in the elevator there's a but, dead like, body with the most blood that anyone's yeah. ever had oh uh, <laughs> and like when i look at it i'm like i can kind of see where people are coming from because it kind of looks like there's something it does kind of look oh, like there's something there but i but at the same it. time i solved it it's uh it's um oh my god what's that guy's name uh, it's Deacon Frost's body from the end of Blade. <laughs> I'd have never seen Blade. Oh, god damn it. Basically, <laughs> the, the villain becomes the blood god, and at the end, he gets stabbed by these syringes from Blade, and he, like, literally explodes into more blood than could ever be contained by anything. Cool. 
So cool. metal. We we yeah. found it out. That's who it is. But yeah, it it's um it's this it's a funny secret little blade crossover. There's like literally videos on YouTube where people are going like frame by frame. They're like, look, it's a body of in there. Of course, they just, always I don't know. do. But yeah. what is that? That doesn't do anything. That doesn't. Mean it doesn't anything. really change anything, right? Like it doesn't change the 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 meaning or like. I Even don't know the if there super was, disturbing like, you know. scene with the lady in the bathtub doesn't mean anything, you know. Unless you think it means something. I don't necessarily think so. You think that was his lady back when he was reincarnated in the? Weird I don't 20s? think he was ever reincarnated, but I I don't. I mean, this movie again—it's—it's it's so vague with oh, everything. That's right. that, we like, settled on him being in the picture. Was the hotel claiming him as? We didn't settle on anything. Us. I just told you what I. Think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, but the yeah room the room uh, two thirty seven is a very straight because like, I it's interesting. Like, let me just Danny take a quick aside. There. I'm just gonna huh? say, me from an hour ago was wrong, and this movie is not straightforward at all. And there's a lot of depth here. Yeah, and I'm very so, I'm a lot happier with it, but. Um, like Danny goes in there, but we don't see what happens to him. But then yeah. when he comes out, he's got the marks on his neck. Yeah, and he's and he claims that there was a there was a crazy woman in there who tried to strangle him. I thought for sure Jack did that until he said that. Yeah, and then but then you know that that's what they think it is. Yeah, uh, or that's what Wendy thinks it is. Um, yeah, and then Danny also, um, kind of I guess disappears in his like other little little guy talks i don't remember his friend's name do you remember tony, tony yeah tony comes in tony he goes in he's his like mouth. danny's yeah. not here right now mrs Torrance. i'm sorry <laughs> i love that so good yeah so yeah. uh the kid i can't remember the 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 actor's name for the child but um he came up with the finger thing during his audition that wasn't like in the script really not in the book like they were like oh do a creepy voice like you're talking to you know your imaginary friend and he did the like eh, Tony like thing with his finger and they were like that's it he's the kid like <laughs> which is which is true like that like that was good and it felt like yeah. strangely it felt like strangely childlike well it's because also because it, it is but it wouldn't matter in a book because you can't see it but yeah in a like in a movie I think it helps visually convey that like it's a it's almost it's not, like a different person. Yeah, right? it's not Danny who's talking now. Right. Even if it and is I, I don't I don't have any idea what Tony it like Tony to me might just be his inner monologue coming out, right? Like yeah, everybody I, sort of has that inner you know, their their ego or their uh like inner voice that is sort of you you know going through things like i think uh like because we know that he can shine and stuff that like his inner monologue might just be like more vocal and that because he's a kid and also because it's a movie and they didn't didn't, maybe didn't want to do like him like just his voices in his head or something like he has to express it out loud um but i don't know it's movie (laughs) <laughs> i'm trying to find like you weird... cut out a little bit there oh i did just for me um so okay. what i thought it it could have been is like um i i thought it could have been dissociative identity disorder but like as a means of coping with something that he was repressing because he wasn't supposed to talk about it 
Because mm-hmm. he talks about that. And he talks about how his parents don't want him to talk about Tony. And that Tony kind of appeared at some point. Um, so the the fact that he didn't have anybody like, um, like Dick Halloran did, like his mom, to talk with about... Like, because... Halloran says he had his mom or his grandma who he talked to about the shining and he thought he was the only one who could do it first and that sort of a thing. So I got the, kind of the, well, his the grandma feeling could that do like it too. his grandma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so then, then they, she actually told him about it. And so I got the impression that like Danny being alone and not having anyone else who could do it or who understood it, he kind of like turned it inward and then it became like him talking to himself and then that kind of manifested as maybe like another personality or something. I'm not sh- sure about all that, but um, but I'm sure if one of us was a child psychologist, they could probably answer this in like five probably. seconds. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, then another thing I started wondering about was like, so th- there is like the quote unquote like the the thing that you can have the trait called the shining, and then there's there there's like the passive, uh, shining. There's shining as like a. a a verb or something that you can have. And then there's also it well, as it's an the, adjective. It's the same thing. The it's the place has it. Well, Here's but the there's, there's also like the kid and the chef can both like perceive it. Whereas like other people don't. So I kind of got the vibe that like people who are super sensitive to it can pick up on these things in a very clear pointed way with like the visions of the little girls, the visions of blood. And then this other, uh, sort of thing, like with the, the lady and then the bar and like all of this other sort of stuff. Well, but then the shining doesn't come to people who are sensitive to it. The shining, um, this goes on with like, uh, it and everything and like how the kids can handle the alien. But anyway, um, Within The Shining, the whole idea is is that you cannot get The Shining until you have been abused. So if you're like sensitive to it, but it's not it's not Did like quote, in activated. Movie? It's in the book. Um, but if you're sensitive to it and um, you get abused, then it's like activated, and then that's why oh, you get weird. The Shining. Cycle of violence. So it's like so <laughs> it's like a mutant trait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like your freaking X-Men power. It, it erupts during periods of intense stress. Uh, interesting. Um, okay. Well, that kind of changes things. Because I was going to say, like, because as the thing goes on, like, when they first, first get there, even actually, even before they get there, Danny knows it's a bad idea to go to this hotel. Nobody else knows about that. Nobody else knows it's going to well, be a bad idea. He says that he doesn't want to go. He doesn't really say why. Well, yeah, but like even that is like something. We're getting something. We're getting somebody saying, even if it's Tony to Danny, like, I don't want to go. And then Danny's, I think he asks him, like, is something bad going to happen? And he's like, I don't know. Well, that's Which when is, he has the vision where he faints. Yeah. And so we have him being like really sensitive to that sort of a thing and picking up on that before they even go there with his like precognition of they're going to go anyway. Um, And then as the movie goes on and on and on, first, it's only Danny seeing things. Then Jack starts seeing things. And by the end of the movie, Wendy sees the freaking blood coming out of the elevator and like all of that stuff as she's running around the the 
a hotel with a knife. So it gets to the point where like it starts and only one person can see it. And as it goes on, like pretty soon, everybody is like, I don't know that it's like, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's like Jack and Wendy all of a sudden are shining. I think it's that the place itself shines, right? So it shines light so that people can see. Does that make sense? But they see different. Like those things are always there, but they're, but they're then projected out from the I, I, I didn't get that because when Jack is in the bar when he's like uh, and this is one of the reasons why that particular scene is like really great for me like you said you liked it but we didn't really get into why the scene where where is it 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 um he, we'll talk about that why I like that scene so much uh J- yeah Jack goes to the bar he says he would sell his soul for one bottle of beer and then all of a sudden a bartender named Lloyd with freaking eyes and i'm like this dude's the devil like straight up this dude is the devil he just sold a soul to the devil this is going downhill from here hey he said that the person buying him his drinks he just shouldn't be concerned but, with yeah he shouldn't be concerned about it because you're not gonna that does that shouldn't concern you for now but that doesn't it's mean like, yeah. that okay. he's shining at all it yeah. just means that the hotel has picked its victim it's the one that's most susceptible to influence so I think that's okay. So, but then, like, but Josh talking about the hotel projecting things that anybody could see. The thing, my my counter evidence to that is that Wendy comes in looking for him, finds him at the bar, and she doesn't see anything. And we, as the viewer, also don't see anything. And he turns around, and then they talk, and that sort of a thing. But 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 like it, you could even just explain it away and be like, oh, everything gets zapped away when they know Wendy's coming because they don't want her to know. You know what I mean? Like it. it I, I guess. I I think you're maybe overthinking the fact that she's not seeing it because she sees things later. I think it's just that the the hotel itself, it like Lily said, it's sort of like picked its victim and now it's starting to like shine all these things at him to like make him more susceptible to killing his family and doing all these things. Yeah. I guess the weirdest thing for me is that like nobody ever addresses the hotel as an entity. Well, cause I don't think like, anyone, they all just talk about, the I don't f- think anyone wants to, you know what I mean? Except for Halloran does mention the hotel and he does mention that the hotel is alive. Uh, during the kitchen scene with Danny. Does he, well, he does. He says well, yeah, that he does mention that, you know, the hotel has a lot of history and there's things that you don't want to know. Don't go into this room, by the way. Yeah, but yeah. he doesn't. Which why does he say that? Like, what, like what is actually in that room? Like, we don't know, really. Right. It's all we know is that something just terrible happened in that room. That it's some it's sort of like net. It's from some the other sort of stuff nexus we see, of all of it. But that's not where the that's not where the caretaker killed his kids. That's gotta be a separate thing because we see where he killed the kids and it's like in the hallway. Yes, but like he also killed his wife and they don't that's say true. where they killed that's his true. wife. They also don't say where he killed himself because he also they talk about how he puts a shotgun in his mouth. Both barrels of a shot it's like, okay, yeah. well, how do you put one barrel of a double barrel shotgun in your mouth? Like that's weird. That's a weird thing to say. It's just a saying, man. <laughs> um But yeah, the I mean going back to the bar scene, I like the bar scene. Mainly because I love the dialogue. I think it's like it's crazy, 
great dialogue. And then also, um, I feel like that's when true Jack comes out. Like, the Jack we see is sort of the, like, nor- like no normal, put together. right? Like, put together, like, trying to keep it together. And w- and then when he finally, like, drops off the wagon at the bar, right? And he goes back to doing drugs, basically, is, like, the moment it switches on. And, like, he's like, oh, I'm back to me again, right? Um like that's the like the like they always say like uh uh oh god how's that saying go it's a uh, 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 a uh, a an a drunk mind has a has a sober tongue or something like that where mm. where you uh you're like more yourself when you're when you're intoxicated uh, or like the true you sort of comes yeah. out and like i feel like that is the moment where that kind of happens a drunk mind talking about a sober heart. starts yeah he starts talking about white man's burden and like which was like yeah, yeah that and then the 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 application the judicious application of the n-word in this i was like what is this movie turning into yeah <sighs> yeah i i, I mean that's part of the whole theory about like oh what's about the murder of the native americans which i think is like totally just ignoring it's like yes and no but it's sort of ignoring like the bigger picture of what that was like part of right it's again about this whole like cycle of violence that's happening on this land that has that has made it basically burnt toast and made it shine and stuff and like i don't know i I, it it is an interesting line that i guess could be debated a lot like the whole white man's burden thing. It's an interesting stuff. Movie and book in general. You know, there's too ma- there's too many right. layers. You could go on for hours talking about it. So yeah. So Lily, you've read the book, right? It, I have not. I don't think Josh has. No. So what are the differences? If if King was so upset by this, like, what what is what does the book do differently? Well, so um, a lot of it. Well, I'm just going to spoil it, I guess, because the book pretty much a lot. You think, you think the book is worth reading? Oh, totally. But if you want me to dive deep into this, I will have to spoil the ending. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just have to take that on the chin. Okay. So, so um, spoiler alert to anyone who wants to read the book. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast because I'm about to spoil the book. Um, so basically <laughs> what happens in the book is that Halloran doesn't die. He does come to the hotel. And so I already like the book better. <laughs> so he does. <laughs> I hated so he that. does go, and then, um, you know, Danny, Wendy, and Halloran do leave the place. Um, they the hotel blows up, and um, whoa, what? In the end of the book, Halloran is um, like taking care of Danny since you know. Um, what's it called um because the dad well jack's dead and wendy is like recuperating from the fact that jack pretty much beat her up um another thing is that danny realizes that because he's at the overlook hotel and he has the shining which is super like it triggers the hotel he like wants to leave a lot faster also wendy is not um so cryy and so sad she's a lot more of like a stronger female character in the book so so she's like more angry she's more like 
hi, uh, we need to leave rather than like, can we please leave? No. Okay. okay. Yeah, like that. Okay. Interesting. That sounds, yeah, that does kind of sound better. Like, not to say that this movie is bad. Like, I like this movie. It's a good movie. Um, but, like, that is really interesting. So they, like, they, they give more closure at the end because the end kind of, it's like it's like the ending of Halo 2. It's like, okay, uh, what? Yeah. Like, and it does also mention. There's that, there's that meme picture of freaking, you know, Jack Nicholson in, frozen in the snow. Well, it does, it does whatever, also mention but. the idea of, um, like, regard, also the influence of the hotel and also the fact that Jack already has, you know, alcoholism issues and anger issues. A lot of that combined mixes into how the ending happens in the book. So does he actually drink? Because they said they took all the alcohol out and the alcohol's all gone and we only see it in those weird dream sequences. Is he actually drinking? I mean, the devil's got a lot of things, you know. He can do whatever. Is that is that like explicitly stated in the book where like It's Yeah, there is somebody there giving him something. It's it's the same thing. It doesn't really say okay. like they do take all the alcohol away, but when he does go into that room, it's fully stocked during the scene with the bartender. So it really is what you make of it. I kind of just took away that he was just talking to himself and that, that the, the, the position at the bar with, because what I assumed is Lloyd is his old bartender, not from the hotel, but from the place they used to live. Um, like closer to the East coast. Um, because I think he referenced something like best bartender in Maine or something like that. Maine to Portland. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Maine to Portland, Oregon. Here to Portland, Maine and Portland, Oregon for that yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah. So like I kind of got the the impression that like that was his old bartender back from when he used to like drink a lot. I don't I don't think so. I don't know. The, I mean, I, I don't know. But I mean, who who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was just kind of like, okay, so this is a framing device for him to kind of have this conversation with himself, kind of trying to abdicate responsibility for the things that he's done and kind of blame shift to everyone else. So I didn't think he was actually drinking. I don't know, man. This is so weird and convoluted. Like, I don't know. What do you what do you think, Lily? I like, I personally it, think that he, you know. Yeah, he was he was definitely drinking. Uh, those things were happening, um, but then again, like that—that's the—that's the way that I want to think of it, you know. And like, there is no right mm. or wrong way. Like Josh said, this is a goddamn Rorschach sure, yeah, yeah. test. So it's, true. it's kind of tough because I truly think that maybe you know, there's a possibility maybe he wasn't drinking, but the idea of drinking. Um, you know, just kind of, you get that feeling of feeling drunk, you know, like that, um, like a like kind of how if somebody says, if somebody says like, oh, pepperoni pizza, like you can kind of taste it in your mouth if you think about it or something like maybe, maybe that sort of a thing. I like it's like kind of later. a, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Like you can, like you can sort of in, in your third you eye, have you kind of, yeah. you can kind of remember the taste of it a little bit. Um, you know, I get what you mean. Um, hmm. 
Well, we're, oh, we're also, running out of time here, but we can, I, we'll keep going for a little bit longer. I glanced down at my notes and I saw the line, man, that chef has a lot of topless art. Oh, yes. Halloran <laughs> is my hero because he just has the best That dude is decor. living life out loud. He has the best decor. And in my head, I was thinking, no, don't go save them. You need to stay and just hang out and chill out and do nothing with your photos. And what? Yeah. Watch your news. Yeah. Just be fine. It's just bonkers. Like, man. Yeah, I didn't write. I didn't. This is literally all my notes. So I'm like this half thing. Because I I was like, what do I say? Really quick. Oh, man. Do read the book read the sequel which is called dr sleep um that uh follows danny as he's an adult so it's really interesting i think it's really cool i think it's a really interesting oh, book interesting. did not even oh. know that there <laughs> so, was a sequel stanley, there's a sequel stanley kubrick was not able to make this one i don't even i think there's a film adaptation but i don't know who made it and i mean there actually might be, there actually was... just kidding there it's currently in production and guess who's gonna be oh. the the actor, the main actor? The no, kid. it's Ewan McGregor. Yeah, my man is playing Danny. He's, yeah, he's playing Danny. Wow, I'm actually now so ready for this movie. <laughs> Put Ewan McGregor in anything, I'll watch it. So, one thing that I wanted to mention is I thought it was really, really interesting, um, like the heartbeats that were coming through with the music, and then at a certain point. It wasn't just heartbeats in the music. There were also like what sounded like um, like table saws or like saw blades that were coming through. Also, like these weird like metallic whirring sounds. That's the thing. Does this movie even really have music? Because for the most part, it's just like high pitched noises, like screeching. Yeah. Uh, muffled screams, sort I of. Think, like I think it. In some way, it's supposed to be music in like certain aspects, but yeah. then you kind of strip that away and what you get is the sounds of what might have happened while the overlook hotel was being built um or just like a nightmare of people dying being you know taken by the overlook hotel there's so many things so right. many things it's it's so it it's like the ghosts are like screaming out like sort of in a way and it makes you feel very uneasy which is like the you know totally. the point that um there was a funny trivia thing I saw on IMDb, and I have no idea if it's true because a lot of these are not true, but uh, God, I want to find it. It was about cheese sandwiches, and I'm like, if this is true, this is hilarious. It says, to get Jack Nicholson in the right agitated mood, he was only fed cheese sandwiches for two weeks, which he I would hates. be enraged. That sucks. Especially as like yeah. a lactose intolerant person, I would be oh, enraged. Yeah. Be like, so I can eat bread. No, if they were <laughs> yeah. like, you can only have these cheese sandwiches, okay? And they were like, don't take out the cheese. I'd be like, okay, so one, you're trying to kill me, and two, this is the perfect way to piss me off. Perfect way. Yeah. Because I will just be so like, upset with you. <laughs> After two days, you'd be Who like, would've... boy, I would kill for a Doritos Locos taco. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that trying to kill her would be one of Lily's buttons? Yeah, yeah. it is one of my buttons. <laughs> With cheese yeah. sandwiches. So that's also, the thing. Did, is it? it it's not even grilled cheese. It's just bread with some cheese in it. And like mayonnaise. No, just bread and cheese. Or something. Nothing. You, you don't get the yeah. luxury. Also, did anybody else 
notice that in the scene where Wendy uh, locks Danny in the room and goes to talk to Jack, she's dressed almost exactly like Luigi. No. Did anybody else notice that? That's awesome. She's wearing a freaking green like plaid shirt and brown overalls. Like, look it up. It's. I was like, I was like, what the hell is this? It was very strange. I like that scene too, where he gets locked in the in the in the uh, pantry. Speaking of which, he's like, who oh, lets you him hit out? my head real bad. Grady lets him out. You Grady's hear him not on the other real. side of the door. <laughs> like, none of the none of the ghosts in here are like real either. But they but do they don't things. do. But they don't do. They never. That's the only time they ever like influence the environment. Like, are you saying uh-uh. the alcohol? They, Wendy walks around the corner and there's all the all well, the skeletons. If you skeletons believe that he actually drank the, alcohol, you don't remember the scene. Those there's are, the skeletons. I, I do, and I do, everything. and I definitely yeah. noticed that. But that is a visual gag. Like she didn't walk up and like move the skeletons. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like these are visual things. Like that's the first time. If you okay, if you don't buy into the theory that Jack is actually drinking out of an actual glass drinking real bourbon if that's a figment of his imagination then the only time that anything physical actually happens based on these like weird ghosts or apparitions is him getting let out of that food yeah and yet again i have to say it's all the hotel you know we're forgetting the biggest influence of all it's the hotel the hotel can do (sighs) anything it wants to because it's it's literally controlling everything you're just a pawn in its game. Well, technically all yeah. of us are So too. really, so really all of them, so really all of them are in the hedge maze all the time. They just don't realize. Pretty much. It. I mean, that whole hotel is a hedge maze. Yeah. Like, I, I, uh, there's people that have like made maps of it and they're like, none of it makes any sense. There's actually a reason for that. And it's because the outside of the hotel um, is an actual, it's an actual hotel that still exists that you can go visit. So but where the, where is that? Because that was literally my first thought when I saw that uh, in the, I don't in the remember, establishing it's, shot. It's uh, I was like, this is a dope mountain, that. and that's a crazy looking cool building. It's um, it's um, the Timberland Lodge in Oregon. Oh okay, um, and you can go there. Is but, it in Portland, uh, Oregon? Probably not. Oregon's a whole state. <laughs> well, no, but I'm just saying, like he the said, Timberland from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon. Mount Hood in Oregon was filmed for a few of the establishing shots of the fictional Overlook Hotel. The interiors yeah. were either set constructed, or were based on those of the. I'm not going to say the name of that because I will butcher it, but it's a Awani. I did it. I did it. Awani Hotel in Yosemite <laughs> National Park. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like I've been reading that a, a lot of the uh, sets like the hotel sets were all built at Elstree Studios in England and so um, like that's kind of why like when people try to dissect the geography of stuff they're like this window shouldn't be here it doesn't make any sense like, like based they on didn't film there. the thing and it's like because a lot of it's a facade right? like and also it like people are overthinking it possibly yeah. they're like, like uh, on some some levels i think people overthink or just write it off of this movie. the walls move like yeah. uh, like just come on if the like, hotel but then can when do you whatever. go up here it doesn't seem right cuz like downstairs it doesn't look, it's like okay you're over, you're like you're watching it's a creepy movies horror wrong. movie like yeah <laughs> like just just give in like let it let it happen right um 
I was trying to find just any last minute like funny uh, trivia stuff, but I I can't find anything. I I had seen a story that the actual hotel has a room uh, 2017 or or 217, uh, not 2017, but they have a 217 room and uh, yeah, I guess in the book, and Lily can confirm this, that the room is actually 217 in the book, but the hotel asked Kubrick to change it because they didn't want people to get suspicious and not want to stay yep. in that room. Mm. And so they changed it to 237. Oh, interesting. Uh, because the hotel doesn't have a room 237. Um, and who knows if that room is even still there, like now yeah because, you know they might have renovated it or uh, like even if it wasn't in, if it was a set like it obviously it's gone but um yeah so i i think i have, I have one last uh thing okay. that like really stuck out to me and and i'm gonna pair this with the with the decor at uh chef halloran's place uh and that is the scene where wendy's wandering around and hears a lot of voices as she's trying to find danny she walks up the stairs and then turns to the right, and we see a pig-masked person giving a blowjob to a roaring 20s fellow in a hotel room. Yep. What the heck was that? I still... I can't explain I can't, that one. No one can explain that one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen people trying to, like, figure, like, oh, maybe it means this, and it's like, I don't It's know. a reference to Animal Bob. It's like, no, <laughs> it's just weird. It's very weird. I like this roaring 20s character, maybe. Get back here, dog with no ass flap. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was like, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I did find a thing that was interesting in the trivia just now, and it might it might bring you some comfort, Brian. Uh, it says every time Jack talks to a ghost, uh, there's a mirror in the scene, except in the food locker scene, uh, and that's just because he talks to Grady through the metal Weird. door. Weird and really interesting. Yeah, and it makes me huh. think like the mirror, like the the it's like reflecting his own. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Because even in the bathrooms, there's all the mirrors around him and Grady and all that. Yeah, because because then it's like he's he's you know he's making out with the the younger skinnier version of the woman in the bathtub who choked his son maybe and then he looks in the mirror it's like yeah it's like weird it's a matter of fact it's like but it's like such a weird thing like he goes in there thinking that he's gonna find somebody who freaking choked his son who he said he would never hurt a hair on their head and then then he ends up making out with her like immediately yeah and then he looks around and she's old and then is chasing him out. Like, what does that mean? And then when he goes back to his wife, he's like, ain't nobody there. I didn't see anything. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> what? You definitely did. You definitely did. But then I was like, okay, did is he saying that he didn't see anything? Because he doesn't want to say that he saw this freaking hog wild thing. Or does he not remember? <laughs> I saw this decaying old woman. I saw, yeah, I saw this naked, very attractive woman. I started making out with her and cheating on you, and then I found out she was ugly, so I left. <laughs> it's like, what? So, because there there are, like, little weird things where it's like, Danny has established that he's unreliable because he doesn't talk about this stuff in front of his parents, and he specifically lies about stuff that he's seen or hasn't seen. And so then he says, like, when they ask him, like, what he knows about the hotel or, like, whatever, he says, I don't remember. And then when Jack came back from the bathroom thing, he said he didn't see anything. So I was like, 
wait a second. Are they not, do they not remember these things that just happened to them? It's called avoiding he, your problems. Or is he lying? Well, I, yeah. Pretty much that, it. And that's fair. Because if. And Jack still has a vested interest in well, like appearing if sane. Jack says that there's someone there, then Wendy will leave. If Wendy leaves, then Danny leaves. If Wendy wants to leave, then Jack will either have to join her because he's not that crazy yet. Or yeah. he'll have to kill her. Well, and I, I think a mark in the he's definitely crazy yet column is when she finds the stuff that he's been writing, which is literally just uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy on like freaking 500 or 600 pages. So he, and it's like, to my knowledge, she went all the way back to the first page and that's all he's ever written. Which I yeah. mean. I think the implication is that he hasn't written anything the whole time. Except that. Except that. Which, like, even just that, like, writing that over and over again, which is why he hid the page when she first came in. Uh, But, like, even writing that over and over, writing one sentence for freaking 600 pages is enough in and of itself to drive somebody crazy, regardless of whatever hotel they're staying at. But... Just down at the travel lodge, right? In- <laughs> down at the <laughs> down at the Red Roof Inn. We'll get the yeah. light on for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is funny. Anyway. I stayed um, at a Holiday Inn Express and wrote 700 pages of a single sentence and murdered my whole family. <laughs> uh, Lily, any final thoughts before we wrap, wrap all this uh, up? No, I think we've covered pretty much all of okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> covered a lot. Um, anyways, that's going to do it for the show um if you'd like to follow the official twitter account you can do so at d corridors that was the only one we could get uh so it's at <laughs> d corridors <laughs> yeah <laughs> it does not mean what it sounds like but d corridors yeah. yeah i tried to get i tried to get like dark corridors dark corridors show there's all these like eggs taking it so for eggs yeah. those eggs saying racist stuff and taking all the good names but uh sucks so we're d corridors on twitter if you want to find me personally on twitter you can do so at the jawa josh uh brian where can they find you uh you can find me on twitter and instagram at ribnax r-i-b-n-a-x uh and if you uh want to hear uh josh and myself um and some other people talk about video games you can check out the platformers podcast it's available on uh soundcloud stitcher google play itunes all that sort of stuff basically anywhere you get your podcast you can check it out um at this point it's like basically weekly or or bi-weekly um, it's whenever we can get it out just because like everybody's schedules are a little bit erratic at the moment um right but yeah check it out Lily, where can people find you? You can find me at the grocery store in my living room. Honestly, in my bed between 11 and 7. But <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at CoolCatLilyZ. And, um, yeah, I'm just kind of around, you know? <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for the first episode of Dark Corridors. Thank you so much. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.